Hello, and welcome to Form and Function, a podcast exploring enthusiasm for everyday gear, from watches to EDC tech and lifestyle products. Join us as we chat, interview, and discuss topical subjects about subcultures we all know and love. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Form and Function podcast. I am James and I am joined by my, my illustrious co-host, Ken. Ken, hey, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? We're, uh, we're missing our, uh, our man today. We are. The, we're missing the beard or the moustache. Yeah, he, he's a lot more hardworking, so therefore he, he's, uh, yeah. he's in his job doing his, doing his work while me and James are procrastinating talking about watches and gear <laughs> and... Uh, the subcoaches we all know and love. Absolutely, the the, <laughs> the P dog, as he loves to be referred to as, does does actually have like a proper job. So today's episode is going to be about some some hopes and predictions for the coming year. Hopes and dreams. Hopes and dreams. Hopes and dreams. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm really hoping there's going to be like a 26 mil Tudor in titanium just for 26? me. 26. That's why I'm, I'm kidding, dude. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> just a bracelet, just a bracelet with a with a clock face in it, uh, like the like the <laughs> Bulgari like snake. Oh thing. right, okay. I want that in titanium, but with like a. I I low key think that Bulgari thing is really cool. If 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 they made it more kind of um, angular, because it's quite smooth, right? If they made it more angular and it was made out of titanium and brushed, I could get. I think I could get down with that. Maybe it's a design for a younger version of me, but 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 not for me now. I'm feeling positive about the world. Yeah, yeah. On a, on a, He's in, in a, a different good mood, mood today, guys. So a different that's mood. a good do thing not, for the Do not talk to me so. about Breitling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I, I'm alright with Breitling. I'm kind of I've I'm I'm being talked round. A number of podcasts I listen to have talked more about Breitling and they've kind of made me think that maybe I'm being a bit unfair about mm. the way Breitling, like, I was listening to the OT podcast, you know, the Australian one. Oh, yeah, those guys. They're, and they were talking funny. about Breitling having a really good year. And I was thinking, hey, where? I mean, like, but in a, it, To be fair, though, in mm. Australia, I think, like, there's, there's certain watches that perform very, very well in Australia. Like for example, tag tags presence in Australia is one of the biggest, you know. So that's unless you live in a place or you're kind of like exposed to that level of appreciation for, say, tag, you might you might see that and be like, "What?" You know. But yeah. Okay, so let's so, let's get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> what What are you wearing today? Uh, so I'm wearing some. Um, because basically, I think Philip actually touched on it in the last episode. In his homework, he talked about a BBC issued CBDC, and that kind of made me like, oh, do you know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my CBDC for a bit. So um, I'm wearing Royal Navy Diver from CWC. It's a modern one with super lumen over, and it's a day date. Which to a lot of people, they you know the, the CWC, they go no date, they go tritium, they go you know all the things that make it as as purest as possible. But for me, I, I just I, I want the top spec. Like that's what CWC did and has always done and is always supplied. And for me, it's like I live in now and I want the now version 
of that watch. So, and it's got a kind of a nice tie to um, both my my grandmother and my brother. So, like that's why uh, I've got this in my collection, and it's not going to go anywhere. So, yeah, that's mine. Very cool. I am yet to pick up a CWC. I'm sure I will at some point. So I'm wearing uh, not the most exciting. Well, I, I always say this, not the most exciting thing. I love all these watches, but I'm wearing my Omega Railmaster 36 mil, but I'm wearing it on, no one will be surprised to hear this. I'm wearing it on a Veblenist, the Defender Grey Veblenist canvas strap, um, which is a perfect, I've enjoyed it on the on the green one up until now, but I'm particularly enjoying it on on this. You've broken that strap in really nicely. Yeah, it's well, it's sitting a little bit proud. This is I've only haven't had this that long, and with my recent dalliance with uncomfortable skin, means that I'm wearing everything a bit looser at the moment. If that makes sense, as bizarre as that sounds, but yeah, I love this watch so much. In thinking of hopes for 2024, how is it Omega haven't redone this watch in in this style? So they've redone the Railmaster of sorts, haven't they? There's you know there is a Railmaster out there and. What was that in uh, maybe like was it twenty seventeen something like that? So they brought it in that, that, part of that trilogy. Yeah, so I've got yeah, the yeah, Speedmaster yeah. of that trilogy, and they did do a Railmaster, I think, as part of that, and it was a cool watch, but it it just didn't quite, in my opinion, tap into the, the sort of the awesomeness of of this era Railmaster. I do think Omega need to kind of bring in something because they kind of they threw the Aquaterra straight to the jewelers, didn't they? So like. They need to kind of come back with something that is like sitting in that that Explorer One tool yeah. sided OP kind of realm customer base because because Amiga I think are gonna I think this year last year was was kind of a I don't want to say a quiet year because like they had a an anniversary for the Seamaster so they did a lot of stuff but I think in terms of like taking market share from Rolex I don't think they really push that and they've been continually yeah. pushing that year on year so i think this year we might see more of that and i think like they've always they're, they're not one step behind but like say when when rolex did the colorful ops and omega did the colorful aquaterras like they kind of did it a little bit delayed whereas i think this year they might try and kind of like jump out on top um and, and i'm hoping that they do that with something like you know um, an updated railmaster or Maybe maybe something to do with the uh, the Seamaster line, just to kind of continue the vibe, because I don't think people were fully satisfied by the the blue one. Well, here's a hope for 2024 that they bring back what they used to call the mid-size watches yeah. in all of their ranges. Oh. I mean, so oh, like it okay. used to be that you could buy. I mean, the Seamaster is a great example. So I have a 36 mil Seamaster from the noughties, or hang on, from the late 90s, early noughties, I guess, and and can you imagine the Bond watch in maybe like a 37, maybe a 38 mm. mil in titanium, kind of with all the same cool details and, you know, whether you keep or drop the faux stuff is, is up to you. But nonetheless, having having a, a watch like that in titanium with the diver spec, that would be epic. I would, I would, I wouldn't even blink before throwing my credit card at all of the ads i can find i think we're i think we're a year between like we're a year between that happening and the year i'm on about is that like they need to make the coaxial slimmer mm. if they make the coaxial movement that they're using all these watches slimmer then we could see that happen but i don't think at this time because it will be like 
he'll be small but thick. And I don't think Omega are ready to do that. I just don't think. Like the Planet Ocean, the 37 mil Planet Ocean. Yeah. 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 Whereas if, okay, like if if they are going to do that, they will do it on the Planet Ocean first. And that's one, that's my hope for Omega this year. So jump straight from yours to mine. My hope is a essentially a mid-sized planet ocean but a mid-sized planet ocean will still be like between 38 and 40 maybe um with kind of like that that classic that i say classic that original um like v v lined uh rubber strap that they did for the the first bond like when daniel oh, played, yeah, okay. played bond that is what i'm after like that would be awesome and do it in like do it in titanium because they've just introduced titanium in the planet ocean line but it's a little bit of a higher higher end style you know dribble that into the more general release stuff that's what i'm hoping for them fun enough i think they have a um a while ago again not not the specs you're talking about but they have a 37 mil titanium one from what maybe like 10 15 years ago could be yeah yeah that's what i hope that they kind of bring back because that needs to be in the catalog like the planet ocean is kind of forgotten man and it's like that could be a like your pelagos competitor do you know what i mean so um, so i guess one of the hopes 2024 being that they just give some more love, I guess, to the divers. It's probably a way of looking at it. So the Planet Ocean... Yeah, because Speedmasters had Master. a lot of love. Speedmasters had yeah. a lot of love. And I think it's going to get more love this year because Daniel Craig was seen wearing the white dial mm. Speedy. And I, I think this good. year is probably going to happen if, yeah, at some point. So, yeah, give some, give some more love to the... You know, like there's no bot. We ain't got a Bond. We ain't got a Bond movie to look forward to for a while. I give some more Seamaster stuff. That's what we've got the Olympics, haven't we, this year? So I guess there'll yeah, be a so, ton oh, of... okay. There's going to be a lot more gold and silver, uh, yeah. and bronze. Yeah. Like, yeah, they always do them like a medal collection, don't they? Would you say that's one of your general predictions for 2024? Then that there's going to be a ton more gold options across the board, or do you think Omega specifically are going to? channeling the gold i think amiga will because of the olympics like they always do kind of like more precious stuff as like an olympic model um but as far as like precious stuff i think we're going to see more precious stuff from the micro brands which we can get into as like a prediction for like as as more of a sphere like an industry section thing that i think might happen that would be cool i kind of i think that's a space that i'm more comfortable with the precious metals i think having you know with it sounds ridiculous to say kind of less money for more precious metal but as we all know the the only true precious metal is titanium yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's precious that's precious to us yeah it's, yeah that's my precious i think i think like micro brands from kind of like from all, all sides whether you're talking about micro brands in it in its purest form like enthusiast or micro independent or whatever because yeah, I you know I try not to get too caught up on the terminology with it, but I do think that we're going to see a lean, especially from the established guys. Like you know, whether you're talking about Baltic or you're talking about Brew or you're talking about um, Nodus or, or whatever, right? The guys that have been in the game a little bit longer, I think we might see them lean in a bit more to that that dressier size or that dressier style now because. They've already done what they've done before and they've done it well and they'll continue to do that. But I think there's a section of the market that is justifying a dressier design, which is why like Cartier has kind of like flown mm-hmm. up, you know? And that's not just because of like from a fashion point of view, because I think 
Cartier has always held high regard in kind of fashion spheres. But I think part of the reason why they've taken such a big market share is because like watch people are also looking there now, now thinking like, oh, Cartier, it, it isn't just a jewelry brand. Not that it was anyway, but you know, they're, they're looking at it and thinking, oh, I can wear this style. I can wear these precious metals. I can, you know, and, and still get the, the, uh, the clap that I would have otherwise gotten from, from watch guys when they see a Cartier on my wrist, you know? Do you know what, if you'd asked me maybe two years ago, like, would I ever consider buying a tank? Absolutely not. Uh, I no, not a chance. Whereas I think I've been, I've been worn down. Although one thing I haven't. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to me, it goes hands in hand. The move you're talking about, that kind of slightly dressier, move not necessarily sort of full Cartier dressier but just general like you say general watches have all general watch brands having more dressier options rather than just hitting the tool thing as the focus pushing it back to that kind of more like day-to-day dressy stuff is integrated bracelets so I, I think the 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 era push so the fashion has very much moved you know the, the kind of the core fashions being like 70s and 80s those sort of eras, 70s, 80s, and now 90s, I suppose, you know, taking the integrated braces out of the 70s. I mean, one of my one of my predictions for 2024 is it'll go as strong as it ever has. One of my hopes for 2024 is that the integrated bracelet dies horribly. <laughs> I loathe it. I just think it's such an uncomfortable <laughs> experience. It's just like, why? I know that I'm 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 the weirdo in this in this area, so that's fine. But and it's, there are lots of ones where it's done well, but just take the tank, for example. The tank on an integrated bracelet would just be horrible. I mean, the it kind of does have an integrated bracelet, kind of, which I think looks really good, the normal on a bracelet. Yeah, but that's why the normal's grim. I like the normal. I think the normal is like, because it's, it's like, it's less rounded. That's why I like it, because it's more like, hard edges uh, okay yeah I, I guess that i just i'm afraid that era is just it's it's dead to me i don't i don't like it it's some some things need to stay in the past and i'm afraid that era of watch design is one of them for me 60s that's where it's now you know how the pendulum of like watch sizes swings back and forward right like it goes small to large back to small to large and we're kind of like we've been on this decline of size for the last couple of years like making watches a little bit smaller and at some point it will hit that you know, that crest and come all the way back up. Before it does, the very tip of that small size is dressier, you know? Yeah, that's true. So, like, it will be a point where brands will fully lean into that and then it will come back up again and start going large. And then at the tip of the large end is, like, as tooly as possible, right? Like, as, as big and as burly as possible. And then it will swing back down again. So I do think, the dress, the dress thing is 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 likely, but I do think we'll probably see that from the micro uh, independent scene first, just because like the adaptability and the ability to design watches and spit out new designs for a continually changing audience in a way, you know, because they're constantly welcoming new enthusiasts into the space, and like that's the. I think that's door, a big right? part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the front door, and like if you if you're into fashion and stuff, and you like you know, you like watches, but you're not ready to make that big purchase. And you go into any of the watch forums, or you go onto the watch publications, and you see like, oh, what can I get for X and X, which is under like two grand, it's the micro scene. And then it's like, oh, 
the, the, these guys are doing dressy stuff. Like that's that's what I'm looking for to go with my 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 outfits and stuff. So for me, like I'm excited to see the you know like the existing brands, the, the established micro independent brands, really just like take a swing at something. And I think Baltic teased something like on New Year's because they they didn't show anything, but Etienne, um, the founder of Baltic, he had like a he just took a photo of like the inside of his wrist with like a strap. And the strap is very, very dressy. And based on the look of it and the, the square, the shape of the uh, the buckle that they've done, I would say that the, you know, this is going to, that that watch is going to be somewhat of like tank adjacent, you know? Okay. Which would be very interesting to see because Baltic, you know, French brand, they've got some finesse, they've, they've got great kind of like experience in the space. They're, they're known for bringing out watches quite like, on the on the curve so i yeah. do think um yeah that's what i think we'll see that's my prediction for the micro scene and yeah i hope you're wrong from that <laughs> point of view i like i like the dressy stuff i just don't like the push into that design era dressy stuff it's well lucky that, for but... you i'm not doing that. um so you've always got me james <laughs> <laughs> that is true it's uh oh, oh that's very kind ken i feel all warm and cozy <laughs> and we make stuff out of titanium so you know there's, there's, there's something for everyone. Um, I mean, that's the thing, though, isn't it? This is this is obviously we're we're you know, we're having a bit of fun, but the kind of this is wouldn't it be really boring if we all loved the same stuff? Well, yeah. Anyway, let's steer back. It's always me having to be steered back, isn't it? I think this is just I'm, I'm meandering all over the place. Um, you know what? The the era thing is another one of my predictions. It's not a personal prediction. It's one that I think most people agree is is the case. Brown dials on watches. It's already happened. It's already started. You know, it's a sort of shift from the sort of the last few years has had lots of like pop, popular coppery colors. And I think just for them to shift into brown, you know, Seiko have been doing it for ages, haven't they? Shift into brown yeah, was I inevitable. Think... But I think brown dials from the big boys is was something we're going to see. I think brown, as in a very 70s and frankly grim color, is going to start cropping up on otherwise lovely watches. I think like there's going to, I don't know if it'll be brown, but there is going to be like a significant color. Cause I think like um, a few years back, right? Green was like the color, right? Everybody was going in on green and saying like, oh, green is the color of the year, blah, blah, blah. And then every watch that was coming out was like green and everybody needed to have a green model. And then the year after that, every prediction was people trying to say like, Oh, this is the this is the year of like purple, or this is the year of like orange, or whatever. And none of them really came to fruition. So and I the think purple, this the year, purple one did, kind of, but not to the same scale. That's like, true. But that's because green is a nicer color than purple. Well, yeah, but I mean, also it, think it, that like more because people appealing. really, really wanted or really focused on what the next color of the year was going to be. It never, it kind of stunted it because it was like uh, okay. people, because if you, because if you say like, Oh, next year is going to be Europe purple. There are going to be people that are like, no, it's not like, I'm going to say that it's this color. So they will go as hard as they can in the opposite direction almost. And I think because we've had a year that's not really come to that. And then these, this year of predictions has got nothing to do with color really that everyone is kind of more general saying like it's going to be a it's going to continue like colorful watches are going to continue which i think it will but i do think that because there's been no defining like prediction on like this is the color year 
there will be one this year. There will be a colour, I think, that will just stand out. And I don't know, I, you know, I'm not really the one to speak for that because I don't really, colour is really not my thing. Um, but <laughs> I think I think it will. I think it's going to be something. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to, to see what it is. Um, and I think Tudor are going to be the ones that will have something with that because they've got some models that I think are ready to have a colour added to them and I think Tudor being Tudor, giving people what they want, generally speaking and being very receptive to what people want I think Tudor could come out with something that, that could do that, whether that's a 54 or a, uh, a P39 or I don't think it would be the FXD because I, I think the next normal thing for the FXD will be the chronograph probably um, it's like been a, a big product. year. 2023 has been, and 22 have been big years for the FXD, really, haven't they? Yeah, so I I think they might let that cool off a bit. But I do think, you know, they've got other things that they could do. Like, rain, the range is still only available in one colour. You know, the 54 <laughs> is only available in one colour. The T39 is only available. They've got a lot that they could do, right? I don't think they'll do all of them. but And then if they pick a colour that they haven't done before and just say, yep, this is it, all of a sudden people are, oh, my God. I love it. You'll see it all over Instagram and overnight it will be the colour of the year, you know? And that's that's what I think will be could happen. Yeah. Tastemakers like Tudor, I guess, or or hype makers like Tudor, I guess. Mm. Yeah. King makers. I would definitely love to see other colour options for the fifty four. I don't know what though. Blue is the natural one because they did it for the other Black Bay. But yeah. I don't think that they'll do it. Like I don't think that I mean, no. I mean a green one. Like the Harrods one. Yeah. Yeah, like I a Harrods one, one a while back. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that would be necessarily colour of the year, but they did a fifty eight, didn't they? With the green thing in bronze, I think. So the watch was they've done it in brown actually too, haven't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, yeah. A bronze um, one. Isn't that was that green? No, it's gold, wasn't it? It was gold with the green dial with, with the green gold. bezel. Yeah, I think so. Oh, and it came on a leather. The gold fifty eight. Um, no, no, it was on a... Mm. It was like that brown leathery strap. I, You know what? I can't remember that. It might have came off. It wasn't so honest. heavily on my radar. Um, I think I've seen the bronze one in the flesh, and I think that's brownie, isn't it, the, the bezel? But you know what? The best, in my opinion, the colour I've liked most of all black bays across the board has is the... I, and I, the one I one of the ones I used to own, I've owned a few of them, but is the, the silver one with the with the taupe in inverted commas. Mm. So talking about not really liking brown. I guess that's grey with a hint of brown, isn't it? That that was surprisingly I actually missed that because of the colour of the metal. If they did a fifty four in that, I would be done. Do you know what just my having said that, like you just saying that the because that reminded me of the silver black bay. If they did a full gold black bay fifty four, I think that could look pretty sick. I think that could look pretty good. So I don't think the full gold 58 did that well. Because it's so compact. Like the 54 is so compact and so like neat, but still Mm. strong and got like kind of thick lugs and and hard angles. I think in gold would would actually be quite quite a popular model. I think it would be quite a pricey thing for people to digest as a black bay, but I think mm. for what you're getting, I think the form factor of the 54 lends itself perfectly to a gold watch. I think another year of Tudor doing some fun metal options would be really cool. You know, I've I've loved the fact they've done, you know, they they have done gold, they've done bronze, they've done brass, or well, I guess maybe that is bronze, but 
you know, they've done the silver one. They've obviously got all the steel ones. I quite enjoy that, you know, titanium. I, I like the fact that they're offering all these options. And I like the fact that within, it's like if you loved the 58, you then had all these kind of quirky options of material choices. I quite like that. Have they ever done carbon in like outside of the Pelagos? Uh, yes. Wasn't there that, the 41 mil, um, was that carbon? The black, the blacked out one. Um, we've got a buddy that had one. I've forgotten the what it's called. Blackout Blackbait. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause and if I that, feel like that if was that's carbon. the case, I think like, because I always thought like it would be cool to see them kind of um, spread the titanium out, you know, but I feel like that is so significant, like kind of symbolic of the Pelagos line, but the Pelagos line now has carbon in it. So maybe if there's carbon in the rest of the catalog, they could introduce titanium into the rest of the catalog. So, so this, the ceramic is what I was thinking rather than carbon. Oh, ceramic. So that black. Oh, ceramic 54 as well. A black ceramic 54. That would be pretty okay. cool. Would I buy it? Do, do I like ceramic? I, I don't. I'm not familiar enough with it, really, as a wearing option. I've never. I, and I've tried on a load of ones, but I've never actually worn them for any period of time. Ceramics is not. It's not quite for me. I don't think. IWC. I'm yes. talking about really cool material options that I want to see other watches in. The ceritanium. I think yes. it's Ceramic. Um, I want to see that ceritanium in smaller watches. By that I mean. I'm, I know. I'm. I know. I'm. To kind of barking up the usual tree of being wanting my <laughs> 30 millimeter uh, tighter, yeah, my th- with it with like the snake bracelet and all that, yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> integrated, <laughs> you know, you know, with, with a brown dial, yeah, all for that. But but th- I'm sure there'll be some brown for my WC, no doubt. But oh, yeah, yeah, well, I, that I, kind of sand color, yes, I quite like that though. The sort of Mojave Desert one, that's actually kind of that's the kind of brown I can I can get on board with. Yeah, As I, in, I, 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 I I'm not sure nice. I would buy that watch, but I think it's damn cool. And I love those serotonin watches. I love those 41 mil ones in general, but I just need it to be a bit smaller. I just this, it's all dial and that sort of stuff. And I'm just I think they're moving effect. down though. They're definitely moving yeah. down. I mean, they've got to redo the 36. And if they could do that in titanium, my my little giggle giggly squeals would be so allowed that they'd be heard you know all the way back in switzerland so i was a little bit disappointed by i think i don't know if it was their most recent one they did like a chronograph for it might have been for lewis hamilton or mm. amg or was it, it was it was like one of those uh kind of like yeah those petronas yeah yeah and the configuration on the dial was just a little bit too like not general but but it didn't. It didn't scream IWC. It was something. It would be something that I would expect from like Tag, in terms yeah. of like Tag Heuer's layout that they currently use is kind of was very similar to that IWC. And I think IWC are they're leaning heavy into this Formula One market because that's such a money maker for them, and yeah. understandably so. Like lean into it, you know, because they they're going to take the market share very easily by doing that. But I think the thing that IWC do well is pilot. The pilot chronograph versus racing chronograph. Pilot design is what they do better than anybody else. And yeah. like, say, for example, they have that split second chronograph that they did with the Top Gun. If they did that, because that's not too big either, that in titanium, I think, would be an absolute monster. Like that would, yeah. I don't think it compete on the general in the general sense to like a Daytona or anything like that, but. I do think for the people that like IWC in the tool realm that they operate in, 
I think it would be perfect. Absolutely. But having said, and I completely agree with you on the di- on the on the um, pilot thing. That is, you know, like name a brand that is pilot watches. People are going to say IWC, really, aren't they? But I kind of hope that they put some love into their divers because they've got some cool oh. ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not they the only brand that I want to for for them to put more effort into their divers. Um, JLC as well. I won't talk about them beyond that. But um, an IWC, what is it? The Aqua, Aquanaut, Aquatimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. actually, do you know what? You might be right because, like, you know, we talked about cyclical trends like ages ago and how like nineties is coming in. IWC had some like mm. very kind of. Um, not extravagant, but very different designs for a dive watch in the 90s that were kind of forgotten. And there's this like collection of watches that they did that I think are really interesting that I think could come back. And it's kind of been hinted by, they did a limited edition with Aquaman, like the Aquaman movie that's coming out. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. Recently. Yeah. It's like, it's a full blacked out, but with like blue markers and then a full blackout with like red markers and stuff. And that okay. was to essentially for the new Aquaman movie that's coming out, which isn't the best representation of the Aquatimer, I don't think, or in my opinion, it's not. But it does kind of like lean into what you think would be like. Uh, yeah, do you know what IWC putting some putting some energy into their dive collection? They've been kind of doing it in their other more heritagey sectors, haven't they? So it's kind of if it's not this year, it's got to be the next few, I guess. You'd hope, mm. just because it's a shame for them not. You know, they do some cool stuff. I'd say with JLC, I'd kind of the, the just more love in that department would be cool. You know, they've got yeah. some cool heritage and that's, it'd be fun to see some stuff. Because they spent, I didn't see, spent a lot of money doing their like colour matching kind of cases, the ceramic kind of cases and stuff. And, and they only really did it in like the big pilot line. Hmm. I think it might be in others, but not kind of as widely publicised or widely marketed. And I think, you know, colour lends itself well to dive watches because they're like, yeah. People wear them on holiday and traveling and like they like that. So, yeah. They're less formal, aren't they? I guess so you can get away yeah. with brighter stuff. IWC in general, I mean, I, I still, I still, my my biggest hope for 2024 is that they re-release, and in, in seriousness, obviously I would love a titanium one and that sort of stuff, but is that they re-release the 36 mil properly spec'd up version of the, the, the 36 mil Mark. So, you know, what it used to be, the Mark 20 is the current normal Mark, but... They used to have, I think the Mark 18 was the last one that in theory had its own 36 mil version. It would be really great to, to see that come. It, it's coming, as in we know it is coming. I have had conversations with with people in IWC boutiques to say that you know, it, it is coming at some point. We just don't know when and, and you know, quite what form. But it just, you know, with, with I think the last version had like a ETA movement and kind of, you know, it was, it was a much more entry level option for them to come out with a fully spec'd up Mark Twenty with the, you know with the modern bracelet, which is awesome, would be epic. I'd, again, I I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate. Frankly, the price would obviously be pumped in the way that all of these watch brands are pumping their prices. And twenty twenty four is going to be another year of of these core watch brands pumping their prices. I'm sure hmm. as the kind of market dips, but or continues to dip. But I would love that. I think that's a that would be a. I don't really have a a pilot type watch. To have yeah, to have one of those Mark ones would be cool. What other brands have you got on your mind for twenty twenty four, Ken? So I've I've also been thinking about like because like the first like the first big hurrah of the year that really kind of like throws brands into the like into people's eyes 
is obviously watches and wonders, right? So watches and wonders is going to be happening in April. That's when most of the brands are going to be like, this is what we got for the year, right? And I think there's there's two things I want to mention. There's one of them is is uh, a language on because like last year they brought one watch, so I think like they've got stuff that they've just they've been ready to show and. It's going to be something crazy and something weird and probably not for anything that I would want to wear, but still very interesting to look at. And then the other part is there are brands appearing this year that have not appeared before or didn't appear last year. And last year was like the first year since COVID, right? And I think it was kind of not a testing ground, but like because, you know, Baselworld isn't around anymore. And these other conventions have kind of changed maybe their format or their style of or approach. Watches and Wonders like was was a good year last year. So this year is gonna be like, oh yeah, we're back now. This is fully rolling. Everyone's gonna pull out all the stops. And with that, there's a bunch of new brands that are coming and, and some of the brands that are that are that weren't there last year are Moses gonna be there, Bremont is there this year. Oh, I also want to talk about Zim because Zim did Titanium last year, so I think Titanium is going to be in everything else this year. So that's that's going to be a fun one for you. Um, Norcane, that's another small one, a small brand. Norcane of doing some things, and they're they're focused heavily on their um, their shock resistant stuff because it's very adventure based. So I think they're going to come out with some some swinging because so the brands that are exhibiting for the first time, or at least I think they wouldn't do it without having like. I'm going to really do something impactful. And Bremont, again, not really a brand that has ever really spoken to me that kind of closely. I just don't think that, despite the fact that they're British and I can maybe relate to or understand some of their messaging or like their inspirations with the military or blah, blah, blah. I just don't, I think it always kind of misses a mark either design-wise or storytelling. I'm not particularly sure. But with the new director who is he's got some chops davide serato he's got some he's got some real chops he's gonna want to come to watches and wonders and be like yeah look this is what i can this is what happens when you put me in the driving seat and that is exciting regardless of whether they do anything that i like i'm excited at the promise of that so he did an interview with on the ot podcast again oh cool dig out that episode only i think one or two weeks ago because he talks quite candidly about what he's done in the last six months at Bremont and what he's planning to do. And he fairly openly says that the desire to create a cohesive sort of two to two and a half grand sports watch type thing is is strong. You know, they, they want to simplify, clarify the message. I think he, I can't remember what the number was, but he said something like, they had like 55 different stories all running with their different watches. And he's, I think that's why it never really sat yeah, well with me. It, I'm afraid it, it, it lacked. I've always loved a lot of the Bremont watches. They've always, almost without exception, been too big for me. I've always loved what they've done. I, I've, you know, the prices obviously continue to drift up. They've done some more high end stuff recently with integrated bracelets, which I thought, I'm afraid, I thought was a big miss. It's really exciting to see what he does. Weirdly, with his past brands, I wouldn't have said that he's the guy I want doing it, but hearing him speak about them, I actually think that his is the clarification, the kind of clarity that they need. You know, they do do some cool stuff I, and they I have agree. some cool hair, 
they have you know the, the they've been around for a little bit haven't they now yeah. and i think they've they've definitely got the chops and it's wouldn't it be awesome to have a 2 3 grand mid-priced british focused like real contender you know real the kind of like longine level contender should we say mm. i think like as soon as he was brought on board we saw like their collection just get axed yeah like they had so many skews, like so many skews, and the moment he was on board, and they and loads of lines were just axed. I was like, yes, this is exactly like this is what is needed because that I think with the brands that he's been with, so he's been with he's been with uh, Tudor, he's been with Mont Blanc, he's been with um, Hyt. One thing he's done with all of them is there's a conciseness to the work that he's done. He's not been like had his finger in all different projects he's been like no this is where it needs to be and then he shot that one line and that one line has put them in the in, in front of people's eyes and, and you know the perception of what people are expecting from a brand and i think to do that for bremont is exactly what they needed because like they lacked a bit of conciseness i think and i think that's with with the ability and the product that they've got which is a good product and the amount of stories they've got, they just have to find the one that really does sing and then hammer that home. Because that's what I think will make them resonate more with, or as much with British people as yeah. they have with everybody else. Because I feel like their perception outside of Britain is a little bit different to how it is here. I don't think they have a big perception. You know, a bit in the US maybe, but beyond that, I mean, I think he he himself said just that, that it's, know the they have uh, the britain is the big market outside here people don't really get bremont they don't really know who it is but i also think that even even within britain like like say how you know how we always generally speaking if, if you say to people about rolex like you don't necessarily have to be a watch enthusiast to, to wear rolex or, or whatever right so there's there's kind of like this divide between the enthusiast and then the general consumer and that is more obvious in a brand like rolex I think even Bremont has that to some degree because I, I, you'll see more non-watch people wearing Bremont than watch people because I've ne- I haven't even come in contact with a Bremont at any red bar I've ever been, which You're is not. very strange because I this is in the UK yeah and for some reason I've not come in contact with one and I think that that's largely to do with like that divide and I don't see why because like I said they've got a great product they've got stories for days they've got. You know, they've got the right kind of messaging. Yeah. It just, something isn't lining up. The balance scales are just aren't balanced. The stories have always felt like marketing. I know that sounds funny. Yeah. And, and, you know, like with like Grand Seiko, you know, being the sort of the, the king of the story. By that, I mean the king of using stories that don't necessarily feel authentic. They kind of always do feel like there's a, 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 a dash of authenticity. You know, we may not believe them, but it kind of feels like they believe themselves. And I've never felt that about mm. Bremont. I've always felt that I, this is just the marketing department coming up with another way to spin military this or military that or, you know, like it kind of, it, it's yeah. just, it's it's building a story for the sake of a story rather than there being genuine value in that. With the one exception, that, you know, that ejection seat thing and, you know, the, I can't remember what it's called. Oh yeah, the Martin Baker. Yeah, that, like that's, that's. That one was probably the most that's genuine. The, it's the way I see it is that's the real own, only solid story that they've got. I, 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 the other thing about Bremont, the one weird position it has is its connection with the military in regards to kind of like retiring watches. So they, you know, you can, they were, I, I think Christopher Ward do similar things to an extent now, but 
they would offer watches with things like your regimental you could have your regimental badge on it and those sort of stuff that you know when you leave the military we have a a buddy who who comes to the bath time get togethers and he and, and indeed red bars he's he's got a maybe one or two Bremonts and he loves them and he has like vertexes and you know very much falls into that sort of military mm. style of watches and I think that actually that story is authentic if you see what I mean that that retired yeah. military story is authentic but I think the way they pitched it was marketing whereas there is an authentic story yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, 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 so, I mean yeah. they had value yeah. there they just didn't choose to pitch it they just choose to pitch it yeah. as this marketing spiel rather than pitching it as this actual like genuine, connectable, relatable thing. And I think that's, I hope, it sounds like that's what he's doing. He's he's trying to just, he's getting rid of all the chatter and just making it clean so that so that the genuine yeah. values that Bremont, Bremont have will start to shine through. The fact that, they, like you say, they're, they're good bits of kit. There's no doubt those are awesomely made watches. Like you said, like the, the, the authentic part of the story there was the one that connects to like real people. Yeah. And when they do tell a genuine story, like let's say the, the ejection seat one or, you know, when they are doing things for retired veterans and that sort of stuff, like that feels more genuine because like that's actually like a representation of what the, the kind of a true side to, to, to military and military watches. I think it's easy to get carried away with the, the, the romantic side of, of military stuff and military watches. And, you know, there's James Bond and there's the special forces and all that sort of stuff. And they're, they're good stories to tell, and they make great marketing material. But they're, they're sh- I think that if you're going to lean hard into the authenticity of the story, which I think that they they should, they need to kind of pay more attention to to the the, the regular guy, like the regular British hardworking uh, consumer that that is like wants to embody their brand. Whereas I think. Um, you know that I maybe maybe they got too caught up in 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 the uh, fanciness of of a high end watch brand maybe because that makes sells more watches maybe or yeah. that's how they ended up with like thousands of SKUs right so Davide Serato can hopefully bring the design back down to a concise level and then in doing so chop the story down to to where it needs to 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 play well amongst you know the watch community. Let's hope of watch brands I, I I root for, but always feel there's nothing left to root for a little bit. Bremont are there, aren't they? As in, I kind of, you know, I want, I really want, yeah, I, I really I hope, want to love that. a Bremont, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean, I mean, to be fair, they, 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 this, God, this makes it sound like the, this terrible watch brands. They really aren't. They do a ton of cool watches, most of which I can't wear because they're too big. But for me, obviously preference-wise, but they're still really good watches and... It's a bit sad sometimes to see a watch brand where the secondhand value is so low, gives you an indicator of how people value them. And that's a shame. If you sort of mean something, a yeah, brand that have that true value to the fact is they should be selling the watches at a lower price on the basis of, you know, of, of maintaining that value. I don't mean like value from a money point. Because they, they, they have a really good product. Yeah. The depth of, and especially you know the, yeah. the the British, the ability to make it in Britain is a genuinely exciting and awesome thing. Mm. Is there any other mass-produced British made of of let's say the two three K mark 
So we've got obviously Christopher Ward and those yeah. sort of things. But that in theory, they're let's say the one K ish mark, and and you know, we've got some other great ones in there too. But you know, frankly, there there isn't anyone. And how so? How awesome would it be to occupy that space? And I think Britishness is is yeah. a sellable thing. And I, and I don't think like you know with 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 the controversy about like what what is made in Britain and how mm. much of it is made in Britain and all that sort of stuff. I think in the beginning, it's easy to get caught up with like, oh, this is this is a lie or this isn't blah 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 and. And like when you read a headline, it's easy to jump to that conclusion. But I think after I kind of sat with it a while and have thought about it, like even if they just do a small percentage, it's 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 more than what was done before, and it's gonna take time for them to, to for that to grow. And I think it needs encouragement to grow because it's like it's like implementing any kind of change, like not to get too political or anything, but like let's say let's say recycling, right? Like it takes. People have to try to adapt for, for things to take hold and then for actual changes to be made. And if you shoot it down at the first the first hurdle, which is never gonna be the best version of it, right? Then you've kind of, you know, you've 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 cut its legs off before it can walk. So let's hope for them. Because I do hope that I do hope Bremont because I've been inside the, the boutique and I've seen the watches and I think that they're really cool. I think they've got so much potential. It's just um yeah, it's just a bit of balance I think it is needed exciting positive stuff on that front i think okay so i've got i've got one more watch based hope for 2024 it's one i have mentioned before and it's one that i want white bread to give some more love to their smaller bathyscaphe dive watches a blank pan i want basically to revamp that it doesn't need much titanium would be really cool obviously but yeah just just a few tweaks to that 38 mil one and and i again would happily throw my credit card at talking about watch brands that kind of have it right in in a lot of the the way they go about things i don't know if you've ever been to the boutique in london but it's just really friendly for a watch brand that's quite high end yeah you said they well, give that you free too i'm a, so. I'm a sucker for for good sorted caramels <laughs> so guys uh, swiss watch brands if you want james's money right tell your london boutiques to offer salted caramel chocolates and he'll be eating out of the palm of your hands that's that's it the is lesson. i mean that is, that is a very important lesson for all watch brands to, to take on board but also have really <laughs> nice have nice competent interesting engaged staff who who are not trying to sell you anything i think that's the key high-end watches are never about selling they shouldn't be and blancpain absolutely nailed it and this one, this tiny little boutique, absolutely tiny little thing in in the stuffiest of of shiny gold grim parts of of shopping districts of London. Just the people in there were just lovely, and that's kind of that's what you need. If you see what I mean, you just need good people, and I, and it's something that Blancpain do. So I'm desperate to to be able to put my money where my mouth is and say, you know what, I like what you guys are doing in that respect. I wanna I wanna support you with by buying a watch. They haven't yet made that watch. Speaking of um, good pitch, so the Bremont boutique that I was referring to, I'm not sure if it's their own independent boutique or it's managed by a watch of Switzerland or something, but um, the one in the Birmingham board. Oh, okay. Um, those guys are very friendly. They're very nice. You know, yeah, that, that, that was quite, because that was my first interaction with Bremont, like with the Bremont watch was in that, in that store in Birmingham. So yeah, it it does it does play a huge part into perception of of like the brand and, and stuff like that. Your interaction, every every part of it, it's included. I mean, watch shopping in London is a pretty grubby thing, frankly. 
yeah, I don't, I don't go, go, go to London that often, to be fair. <laughs> Oris are the one other one in London, which are brilliant. If you basically just, if you go to London, you need to go Grand Seiko, CMOK too, actually, but you basically need to go to Oris, Grand Seiko and Blancpain. You can just leave the others there. Selfridges, actually, you know what? Selfridges, <laughs> if you get the right person, Selfridges were, were a good experience too. Uh, good old Selfridges. I don't like the experience. It's a very, like, it's a very touristy experience. I'm a... Selfridges, but... I'm a Selfridges alumni, you know that. I used to work in Selfridges, like, in my youth, actually, uh, when I was... As in uh, Selfridges in London? Yeah. Like this is before, no, no, oh, no, no, okay. no, the okay. one in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, the one in London is yeah, because I, I was, I was, yeah, I, I, for people that don't know, I, uh, I grew up in Birmingham, not in, not in London, and, uh, and yeah, so one, yeah, I, I worked in, I worked in Selfridges up until I graduated uni, actually, yeah. So I have, I have, a, I have a soft spot for Selfridges. I still have my name badge somewhere. Yeah, I think, I think what but, you've uh, really yeah. hit on is just frankly like not in london you tend to get better more genuine interactions with people in shops you know the fact is that's what i mean by london being a different it's just london's not necessarily part of the uk from that point of view it taps into kind of what i said about in the japan episode it's like i think when you're in a big city especially in like the central part of it like central london or or maybe Manhattan or like, you know, whether you're talking Ginza in Tokyo or just the central part of the big city, it's a fast paced environment and people are blunt whether they mean to be or not. And I think that can come across as being maybe bitter or, or uh, harsh or abrasive because like just the environment that you're in, because I think even, even, you know, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time in, kind of big cities working and stuff like that and i think because it's moving so fast you have to almost be blunt to kind of get things done because like there's almost no time to like faff about things and i think that changes you the longer you're in that environment like you become hardened to that and therefore like that's what you you know convey to other people so i kind of give a pass to to those types of places that are in those environments because like say if i was working in a boutique in london and I was dealing with a certain type of clientele that was maybe abrasive day in and day out. I would over time become abrasive too. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, I kind of give those places a pass and just avoid them for my own self enjoyment. I, yeah, I think you're a better man than I, I don't give them a pass. I think they need to pull out their bootstraps and sort it out. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you live, you, you live in, in a very nice part of a, and a nice part yeah. of the country. Bath is is nice. People. Yeah, I lived in London nice. for twelve and a half years. You know, I kind of did my time in the big smoke, and yeah, I kind of <laughs> quite genuinely, it's an amazing city. But I, good God, would I have no desire at all to live there again? Absolutely none. I get part of that's, I guess, age. You know, you kind of you you kind of grow out of it to an extent. I think London is a young, young and young and grumpy place. Yeah, I, I do. I do enjoy living out in the country now. It's, a, it's just a, just Bath a has slower. its problems. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of it is, but but frankly, it's it's a pretty pretty relaxed place to live, and <laughs> and the interactions you have with people here are, you know, it's on a very human level. Whereas London, I think that's the problem with London. It doesn't, you know, you're 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 just this sort of blank who comes into a shop, and I think that's just a shame. It's a shame with a luxury product. It reflects badly on the brand because if you're selling, I don't know, fifteen. 20,000 pound watches 
the fact is you can afford to hire someone who is going to be capable at their job. And I think that's where it differs. That's what I mean by like the Blancpain thing. They just smacked of competency as just as human beings in, in all departments. And that just, it comes across and it ties with the brand. You can't pay someone very little money and expect them to be chirpy when, like you say, people are being rude and obnoxious to them all the time. You can't, you can't not pay them. It's, I mean, you kind of need to give them danger money to, to work in a boutique in London. As in, I mean, quite genuinely, you should, you know, they should be much, much better paid because they're dealing with that. And what you would get then is you'd get people who are, they're kind of insulated from it a bit. They're able to rise above it because they're being paid properly. A lot of the boutiques as well, the, the footfall is so high that they probably deal with so many people coming into the store and not really engaging or not buying. And, and like, you know, we even we go into stores to try stuff on and, you know, may not have the intention of buying anything. But then, in how that how we engage with the person who's handling with us, they can see what they were interested in, what is, and we're not there just to kind of waste time, so to speak. I think that plays a big role. And in London, you are going to get so many people just come in and be like, "Oh," and then walk back out again. Like that's that's going to wear you down, right? Whereas in Blankpan, like people who are walking into that store, they already know. Like they already know. Like whether you buy one or not, they already know that. Like okay your your perception of it is not just like this person has money but like this person knows what we have or this person's here for the chocolate yeah (laughs) or he or yeah in your case they're here for the chocolate and like it's it's uh i think the people can have a better gauge of who's walking in the door from the get-go in a black pants store where you might not get that in an Amiga, for example because like everybody you you walk into Amiga the same way you might walk into i don't know h&m you're just going in because you're like, oh, I want to have a look and, I didn't, you know, I'm not going to buy anything, but whatever. You're going to have people like that in a store like Amiga, perhaps, more so than a black guy. You're not wrong. <laughs> I kind of, yeah. <laughs> I, I do, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I still think, I still think they can do better. Yeah, I know. I definitely, I definitely agree. Just, just one, one funny, one funny little thing is like, uh, speaking of like interactions with people. So like, you've heard of Pernell's, right? Pernell's like the jewelry and watch retailer. They ha- they have like Patek and stuff. They have Patek, they have they have Rolex. They have a bunch of brands. Like they're they're kind of a long standing kind of uh, distributor retailer for like high end luxury brands and stuff like that. And there's one in Stratford, Stratford upon Avon. And um, <laughs> I I walked in to the Pernell's like kind of not really knowing what was inside it, but like knowing that it's very high end in there, like. It, it's a it's a diamond store okay. too, too so you know the expectation is pretty high and i wasn't dressed like particularly fancy right so i walk in the door and it's quite quiet in there and every member of staff looks at me like who is this guy shouldn't be in it because I'm, I'm like you know i'm just wearing a pair of jeans and a carhartt jacket like i'm not dressed like i'm ready to drop 20 grand on a watch right the looks i got were kind of like he doesn't really belong here like he's not gonna buy anything let's not pay him any attention sort of thing Obviously, this is my assumption, right? They're all nice, but then I, they, one guy came up to me and asked me what I was, what, what I wanted or what I was looking for, and I can't remember what I was looking for at the time or what I wanted to look at because I went in there because I saw saw a display piece, and I'd said to them, "Oh, you've got this," and I, and I, and I referred to the item in its reference code, right? And immediately the the tone of the store changed. 
because it was like, oh, this guy like wants a specific thing. He knows exactly what he wants to look at, and he's not like some hooligan who's browsing cabinets to you know scan the place or whatever. And the demeanor changed immediately. And they walked me over and they sat me down and offered me a drink and and, and everything changed. So I think yeah, it's it's a um, that I found quite funny because it was it was immediately like, oh, how is he dressed? Like, what is he trying to do here? And uh, you know, if I'm spitting out reference codes, they're like, oh, hold on a minute. He he might be a fish here. I feel like I feel like watch watch geeks need like a password or a secret handshake. Yeah, 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 or a lanyard, like yeah, just like oh, he's one, like oh, he's one of yeah, them. Okay, we we might be, we're probably not Pin worth your match. time, but we might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might be. Yeah, you might convert us here. <laughs> uh, dear, yeah, watch yeah. shopping. It's a weird one. I think at some point we we should do like a. Uh, a uk watch shopping thing i think there's some really cool places to buy watches in the uk i could use that guide to be fair because i don't know many places because i'm not from like the bigger city i have lots of opinions as you can imagine (laughs) oh yeah i bet but that's why we started a podcast right (laughs) yeah therapy essentially right so have have you got any other brands you want to talk about any other predictions or hopes and hopes and dreams for your 2024 hopes and dreams uh okay i have one i have one last one last hope it's not a prediction but one last hope and that is more to do with kind of like it, it relates more to my own brand and that is that i hope that either citizen or seiko start creating more accessible automatic photographs okay. because if they do then those movements will start to become readily available and if they do then I will have an option because I do not want to make a manual wind chronograph. Like I just don't. I'm just that's not in line with 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 I, I think my approach to designing archons. So yeah, an automatic chronograph movement that is accessible and affordable, the same way that you know the Miyota nineteen seventy five or the new Seiko GMTs kind of like just something, you know, if I'm having to modify and go into making my own chronograph no no man, there's too much stress. I want to design something that people will enjoy and get straight away, and and yeah, I just want to keep growing in that direction. So yeah, that's my hope. So come on, Seiko, come on, Citizen. Ken wants an easy year. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, yeah, I don't want to use a Salita chronograph. I, as as much as I know that the Salita chronographs are good, and there's a mono pusher that's that, that is very very tempting. I just um, you know, I want to keep I want to keep the cost down because I like that mm. the watches are bought by people who are going to use them and beat them up and everything and then once you go past a certain price point they they, they inadvertently stop being beaters in a way you know like yeah some people have a two grand tutor that's a beater maybe that's their daily watch but it's it it will never really embody a beater as much as you, as as much as there's very few people that can do that shout out to to uh tom place who who is a, a Hollywood stuntman who's a listener of the show and like he he really beats his watches like he will it doesn't matter the value of them he beats them he's there's he's one of very few people that that can embody that and um one of the objectives of Arkin is to kind of like give that level of like uh experience to everyone and not have to worry about the price of the product that you're, you're paying for so so yeah come on Seiko come on citizen do me right and uh you know let's make dreams come true <laughs> that's my presidential campaign on the tom place thing his video with teddy baldassari i think i pronounced that right 
is yeah. is gold. Yeah, that is brilliant. Yeah, it's so good. It's up there, isn't it? With that, the kind of the delivery is just brilliant. I spoke to him and and he said that like I said to him, it'll be an honor to be one of the watches that is inside that bag, right? And he was like, other brands would rather die <laughs> than have their watch in that bag. <laughs> so like, yeah, I I uh yeah, I have a huge respect for him. He's 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 really talented and and uh, I'm very uh I'm very honored to have him um, support both the podcast and on Arkham and stuff. So, so yeah. I think it would be cool to to get him on at some point, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be Ooh, cool? Oh yeah, yeah, we should. I think we should. He's clearly got some killer stories. Oh yeah, yeah, what a job! I mean, that's insane from a watch point of view. And I mean, yeah, the the stuff from the Teddy interview with the stories of things. I mean, it's just it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? He needs to write a book or something. I think that would be cool. So um, I'm trying to think of any other. I've got one other thing actually. Uh, I hope for 2024, and it's something that I've been. It's not watch related. So for the one person left that doesn't like watches that's still listening at this point i've been hunting somewhat softly for the last couple of years but but it was hard at one point for titanium scales for my one of my spyderco pingos it's one of my favorite slip joint knives ah. um with its weird blade and its kind of quirky shape and all that sort of stuff i'll put it in the show notes obviously because it's a it's a sadly not available knife anymore other than maybe secondhand but i need to find someone who can make me some titanium scales for that knife a company called Waro Knives who are still about and they make some really cool kind of titanium EDC you know bottle openers and and tools and that sort of stuff but they seem to have kind of drifted a bit away from that and certainly I think it was a real ball ache for him to make these and I think he's not keen to do it so I need to find someone else who can and will make me those because the yeah that would be I think my I was thinking about what what EDC gear do I want in 2024 and there isn't really anything I think I'm kind of I think I've reached that point of my collection where I most of the things most of my kind of hopes in gear are fulfilled in that department I have two things I want this year gear wise one of them is is touching on what you got because I've got a, a spider coat tenacious that I want to get titanium scales for so that's one thing I'm going to pick up this year and the second one is uh, I want to build another Swiss army knife I'm going to build another sack and I, I want, I think I might do a two layer, uh, but like maybe combine some of the things from a compact and a tinker into a two layer. So I've got like a scissor and a tool version. So a non-bladed Swiss army knife, but I need to find scales first. So, um, if you've got any recommendations, leave them in, in like a Instagram comment or DM or email or something. Cause I want to find some kind of, some kind of different scales for this like scissor only tools for army knife build that i'm gonna do it are you after like um, different materials or like no just something fun just something kind of fun and different but like maybe in a color that isn't like very uh general like a like a navy or a wheat or like very very daily wear less military kind of looking and more kind of like a like a normal less aggressive ready sort of thing yeah less tactical and more, um, yeah. I love that phrase. Tactical so is one of my favorite phrases. I think that kind of, I think it's so descriptive <laughs> of what it's talking about. You know exactly what it is when you say it, right? Um, I love a lot of tactical stuff. I'm not cool or particularly tactical, but but nonetheless, I love a lot of that stuff. And that's just such a simple word. I think, I think if you love tactical stuff, that's part yeah. of the charm, right? It's like, you've got to embody that. Yeah. 
it's like yeah but I, I like it good stuff so let's let's wrap up there we've i think we i've waffled horrendously so apologies for and and thank you for anyone that's still listening at this point of the episode but we have some i promise concise homework recommendations for you ken what have you got for us today so uh i don't have anything um something you can go away and read or whatever but it's potentially something you can go away and and do yourselves so like i'm not really a, a resolution a resolution new year's resolution kind of person i tend to kind of think about what you know what i'd like to change like if i've been a bit lazy maybe get back to the gym or but i don't really have any fixed timelines or i don't set myself any kind of goals generally my goals are work related which is you know both a blessing and a curse but this year one thing that kind of me and my wife noticed is that like in, in 2023 the year just it kind of flew by like it, it flew by really quick and we didn't really remember we did loads of things, but we didn't really remember what we did. And then sometimes you'd kind of be reminded by them, be like, oh yeah, we did that last year. And so like this year, we wanted to kind of be a bit more mindful and have a way to kind of look back over the year in a very kind of easy way. So one thing that we started to do is that every weekend we will write on like a little piece of paper, just something about that week that we enjoyed or something that we did or something we learned or something fun or just something that kind of like, remind you about the year that you're made uh, that week that, that maybe you're proud of or, or whatever and yeah fold it up into a little note and then just put it in this jar and she's got this this huge jar that used to have coins in it and stuff like that and we're we're essentially going to put one note each every weekend and then at the end of the year kind of go through the notes and be like oh yeah we did that on week you know week three or week seven or whatever and yeah hopefully be able to kind of look back at the year clearer about what we did and be you know, we can be thankful of the things we did and you know, the things we got up to and, and, and laugh at the memories and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, that's my, my, my little takeaway as, as a new year thing. That's a lovely idea. That's a really good idea. I think it also instills a bit of routine too, doesn't it? That, you know, these various yeah. routines that make up our lives that, that kind of form it. I think that therapeutic routine, even just the act of doing it, in a sense, is a little sort of like ticking, right? You know, like mental tick in the right direction isn't it well after that deep and meaningful suggestion my completely shallow and and semi-pointless one is going to come <laughs> across horrendously now but but i'm going to go there anyway so it's a uh it's a completely useless wonderfully fantastic thing it is a company called toyo steel they're a japanese maker Ooh. of and they're they make a yeah, ton yeah, of yeah. things, but the the bit I'm focusing on are the random little storage boxes they make. One of my 2024 things is just to be a little bit better organized in regards to bits and pieces. I tend to collect them in things like mugs and that sort of stuff. But when it comes to finding them, you just have to pour it out yeah. to be able to find out what bits are in there and that sort of stuff. And so I quite like the idea of having... Just so the audience knows, right, like James has like a pot on his desk and it's just got like loads of random bits of gear, like pocket knives, torches, like, and it's literally a mug. It is, yeah. It's, yeah, torch, screwdriver. He's, he's got the cup in front of me. Um, it has it has a lot of random desky stuff. So I, I kind of, I, I love the mug. I love the my, my mug of EDC or my mug of gear or whatever. But the number of times I've also stuck my finger in, I've got a very small watch strap tool 
with a very sharp end. And the number of times I've skinned the side of my finger by sticking it into that thing, looking for something at the bottom without pouring the stuff out. I even tried to put a, I cut a, a little bit of like very, very high density foam to put it in the bottom to try and have a bit more like, you know, poke things into it. That didn't work because I then got very like tactile about poking stuff into it. So I sit there just poking, poking, poking. As if you modified the mug to make it more suitable to a need that you shouldn't have. It's, I don't know, mugs, <laughs> like, you know, pen holders, pen pots, that sort of thing. It's a thing, isn't it? This is just happens to be, I can't remember where this came from. Yeah. It looks very uh, it's, medieval. <laughs> it's not, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, it's, it's been, I've had it for a long time. I've had it for maybe like 20 years or something. It used to sit on my desk in my, in my room at home, I think, but. Well, actually, fun enough, I think it might have been my grandmother's before that. But anyway, it certainly has some has some value to me. So it, it, that that'll stay. But I these the the Toyo Steel things are. There's another brand they come under, which is Trusco. Trusco is the sort of third party brand. Toyo Steel is the manufacturer, and Toyo Steel now sell their own like branded products as such. By branded, I mean in the wonderful way that Japanese brand stuff. It's very subtle. It's very deliberate. They make everything from quite small sort of almost like card holders up to full-on toolkit and a sort of like uh, it's all metal it's all beautifully constructed rolled metal they make each each one is usually made of a single piece unlike this sort of stuff that you buy in the uk which is sort of fairly mass produced you probably I guess probably from from china or somewhere where they've stuck together bits and so you have sharp edges and those sort of things these are beautifully rounded and finished and they're just, they're very aesthetically attractive things, but they're in no way are they any less good at what they do. You know, their utility is fantastic. They, you know, they close very, they're very satisfying to close. They're very solid to close. They come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. They come in all sorts of colors. I've obviously got them in, I haven't got them on my desk here, but they, they are hopefully, I'd say they are, hopefully they are at home. And I bought two sizes and those are part of my plan to, to sort out my random stuff on my desk and around. What what Ken doesn't know about is the is the second pot I have, not on my desk, but on a side in my office as well, <laughs> which is full of even more general crap. But yeah, so I'm, that's my plan to sort of sort this stuff out in a way that I can kind of close. I like the idea of being able to like shut up your desk, if you sort of mean. You kind of, you close these things rather than having them on display the whole time. I'm very easily distracted. So like, you know, I see a cool pen and I kind of reach out and I start fiddling with the pen and it distracts me. So the idea of being able to like close a lot of this stuff into these really aesthetically pleasing little receptacles really appeals to me. And I think I came across these guys. I actually have uh, uh, one of theirs. They, I think they used to use other third parties too because it must be the same manufacturer from like a decade or so ago. Really small, tiny little thing. So I, I'm pretty sure it's the same brand. But yeah, I kind of the the I'm I'm excited to to start using them. So that's Toyo Steel. T-O-Y-O and then Steel. Also sold, I think in the US particularly sold as Trusco, so T-R-U-S-C-O brand. But yeah, beautiful steel storage containers, effectively. Brilliant. So that is episode 15 of the Form and Function Podcast. Thank you very much, you brave listeners, for sticking with us. I apologize again for my waffling. I, I can edit some of it out, but if I if I remove my waffling, this will be a 20-minute episode, so that's not quite what we're aiming for. If you want to get in touch with us, the usual places, formandfunctionpodcast.com, formandfunctionpodcast on Instagram, or formandfunctionpodcast at gmail.com. 
and I hope you have a fantastic week and we will be back next week. Ken, over and out. Bye guys.